Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, October 15th. This is episode 204. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. We're back. Back again. Back is back. I don't know the song. Sorry. Back, back, back. Is it just back? Is this is the word back a lot? It's all right. It's all back, it, we're back, good. back. It's back. There, I had it. It's all right. <laughs> anyway, we got a, we got a lot of serious content. Actually, we got a, we got. I mean, this is bad. Maybe or good, mean, depending on. I mean, the listeners might like this. I'm I'm just not looking forward to editing it. The, so because we've got if we just randomly stop like halfway yeah. through video games. It's just because we're just we, we're just, like, just too bleh. tired. Like, yeah, we can talk about like, this stuff bleh. next time. Yeah, I mean. There have been some huge, huge things, huge news in the video game space, but we also have a plethora. I don't know how many in the plethora. I think at least three video game reviews that because a plethora, a plethora, a plethora. That reminds me, I actually had someone uh, posted on, I don't remember which feed it was, but uh, since it was my birthday a few days ago, uh, Zach, my co-host for mm-hmm. the Pinball Show, had made a post where he was like going to do a giveaway of a shirt if people would pick uh, like one of their the one of their favorite Dennis moments, like one of their favorite f- phrases I said, right. or, or you know comebacks, or you know anything along those lines. So anyway, someone on one of them had said, "My favorite part is every time Dennis says modern as modern, which is honestly probably all the time." Uh, that I say modern, not modern. I always put the R first. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. I don't know if I can blame that as a Midwestern thing. I that made me start thinking. What other what weird pronunciations do I have? The the one I know about. It doesn't come up in podcasting, so it usually doesn't get pointed out. Is I don't say stir. I say steer, like cattle. Yeah. For like, if you're making a chocolate milk, I say you, you steer, steer it. it. You steer it. Yeah. So anyway. Modern is another one I do. Modern, which is as I when I read it, I go, no, I no, I do. Yeah, no, <laughs> you no. gotta think about it. No, uh, yeah, no, I do it. But anyway, uh, what's been going on? It's been a couple of weeks. So we'll get through well, intros immediately uh, after our last episode. Like my whole family ended up with the plague, and we were mm. down for like the entire week. Just regular vanilla plague, mm, regular COVID plague. Mm. So. Yeah, that I knew. The, I knew you because um, you told me you had a you had one member in the family that popped positive. With yeah, the vid with the vid, and it ended up being. Uh, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like the last time we had COVID. Well, now it that was, you all have antibodies, yeah, we we were just. It was basically exhaustion for the week. It was like be awake for a couple hours, sleep for a couple hours, be awake for a couple hours, sleep for a couple hours. Uh, so. Uh, but overall it wasn't all that bad. Uh, but I haven't done much of any, I've, I've played zero Baldur's Gate. I've only played a little bit of Battletech. I've not played anything else at all. I've mainly been reading, listening to audiobooks or watching TV is what I've been doing. Uh, just because everything else required too much energy during that week. And in the week since then, I was trying to catch up because we had, everything at work and i missed five days of work two weeks after having been on vacation so i still wasn't fully caught oh yeah (laughs) so it was just a giant mess i spent you have to understand with my job the paperwork and office time of my job is about 50 percent of my day but i was so far behind with stuff that i ended up spending two straight days basically never leaving my office just trying to get caught up because of how far behind i was on stuff so, um, 
but it was that's that's it that's it i haven't i i've not done much of anything i'm 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 still burning through my physically reading BattleTech novels. I'm almost to the halfway point of the 60 original classic BattleTech novels. I'm at like 50, or I'm sorry, I'm on 26, uh, is the one I'm reading currently. Uh, and then like on audiobook wise, I've been listening to Bernard Cornwall's Sharps series of books. Uh, which if you have no idea what that is, basically he really, Bernard Cornwall, the author really enjoyed the Horatio Hornblower books and the Aubrey Martin books, which most people might know the Aubrey Martin books because that is the basis of Master and Commander Far Side of the World, the Russell Crowe film. But he realized that nobody had ever made any books set in that time frame uh, that dealt with an army officer. So he wrote them himself starting in like 1981. And the newest book in that series comes out like in two months. So he's still writing books in that series. Okay. But it, but he like has written the books in a weird chronological way. Like he wrote books from 81 uh, until like the early 90s that were like the major big things. And set, like up through the end of Sharp's career. And now he's been writing books that take place between those books because all of those books have years between them. So uh, it's been interesting going through. I've always heard good things about it. I've heard really good things about the TV show, the British TV show about it too, and, but I've not watched any of it yet. That was one of Sean Bean's uh, things. He he played the titular Sharp in the Sharp okay. shows. So that's basically what I've been doing. So what about yourself? Uh, I have been playing some games. <clears throat> the uh, We actually had, no, I had, I should say. I think it was on Pinside. And I don't know if they, they didn't ask to, since they messaged me directly, I'm assuming they don't want to be named. So I won't. But they messaged us right after, I think the day we dropped the last episode. And very nicely, essentially asked, why do we talk about esoteric video games? Why are we not covering like the real stuff? Was sort of the way it was phrased. And I it's like, well, it, it's a it's a fair complaint. The issue is if we're not playing something, we can't really review it. Right. And we're not going to just play popular stuff because we do a podcast. So that's kind of the, the boat that we're in. Now, I actually do like mainline games. It's just I don't usually buy them at release. So now, all that's to say, I did get Starfield for my birthday. I have started it. So I will talk about Starfield <laughs> as I make more progress. However, I'm only approximately two hours in right now. And in a game like that, that I can't get through the tutorial. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even done yet. I haven't gone back to my ship with the, with a new crew member. Like I can't even tell you what that's like yet. So, but it's coming. It's coming. The dragons are coming. And so is the Starfields. However, because I, j I did yesterday complete the Resident Evil 3 remake, when I play Starfield, whenever I see a star, I go, stars. So, which every time I saw a zombie in Resident Evil, I said, stars. <laughs> I just say it really fast because there are a lot of zombies. Yeah. So I realized, as I know I am with pinball, uh, very obnoxious while I'm playing this, which is good <laughs> that I just am in the living room by myself playing games. Uh, so I've started Starfield. I started Sniper Ghost Warrior Contract 2, which is another video game I also ended up getting. I got two. Those are the two I got. So I've started them both. 
And yesterday, actually, because I haven't been doing much pinball, actually went downstairs and played quite a, quite a bit of pinball. I played multiple games of Walking Dead, multiple games of Deadpool, multiple games of Godzilla. I think I only played one game of Star Trek because I got past Kobayashi Maru on the one game. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, let's, well, let's go and play something a little harder. I've got this one. I'm good. I was like, that one, that one went all right. That one went all right. Um, and again, the obnoxiousness continued with Godzilla because every time the ball dreamt, ah! I screamed with Godzilla. Plus, I was swearing at Mecha Godzilla anytime I drained. It was Mecha Godzilla's fault, even when it wasn't. The Mecha Godzilla shot somehow. Mecha Godzilla screwed everything up. Yeah, that sounds it like pretty, him. It was pretty toxic. But what wasn't toxic is since our last episode, we have two new Patreon members, both at the intermediate tier level. So thank you very much, much. Thank you. It's because I'm getting ready to say a W. Thank you very much, William M and Scott E, who are both now Patreon supporters. So that is pretty much it in terms of the intros, though. One other little piece. We're going to get some video game reviews. I This was my fault. We had I mentioned how we didn't have any reviews, and we have all these Steam codes out. We did have pending reviews in the EGP email. I just completely overlooked them because they were so far down in the email list. I just didn't. When I, quick, I did a cursory glance, it just didn't click for me. So we have a number of them that we're going to cover today, but I am here to announce that we have no more Steam codes. They have all been given out. So we are finally done with that. We are just waiting for the rest of the reviews to come in to us. But we will get to those reviews when we hit the video game segment. First, we need to hit the pinball segment. And oh boy, uh, normally when with Pinball Expo, it feels like there's like one reveal or one first time hands-on experience that people are going to have when it comes to Expo. Like when we were at Expo, it was Cactus Canyon Remake. That was right. the one new thing. And it was actually revealed there. So kudos to that. But this go around... Holy cow, is there going to be a lot of stuff? If there is a Pinball Expo that I could almost wish I was going to be at, it would be this one, simply because they might have as many games as was at Texas that were new. Maybe not quite, not new to us, uh, because Texas had a few things that had shown up at other shows that we hadn't been able to play yet, like right. Scooby-Doo, like Queen. But let's start with the big one, and that is there is a new pinball manufacturer. We've been hearing... When Rumor Corner was cornering, we were often talking about these new manufacturers that were going to be unveiled this year. The big one that has finally come forward is Barrels of Fun Pinball, one of the worst pinball company names I have ever heard, but an excellent logo. Okay, I was going to say, you, you have, it doesn't matter. The, the, name is, the name is very mid, as the children <laughs> very, like to say. I, I am. This is one of the worst as, names in the pinball field, and... Tony's like, eh, it's mid. As the kids like to say. As they do, yes. But also, as the kids like to say, their, their, their symbol is fire. Yes. The the exclamation point with a flipper and a ball. As soon as very I, clever. As soon as I saw it, my very first thought is, how did nobody ever think of this up till now? That's so good. It is. It is. So good. And speaking of good, they are coming out of the gate with, in my opinion, a very strong nostalgia oh, theme. they're swinging hard for the fences. My wife <laughs> is actually interested. Oh, well. Look. Not purchasable. Right. But is but, well, but, but 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 watch the trailer and was like squealing mm, in glee. Yeah, no. This so Barrels of Fun Pinball not only revealed their existence, we've known about their existence for a while. They've been 
the mystery. Yes. Okay. Now, we haven't talked about the Mystery Pinball Company on this show because I don't approve of those sort of reveal because they're not a reveal. I don't approve of these teaser strikes. Like, it's fine for forums. Um, you can debate whether or not we as a as an entertainment podcast or media or not. We're not journalists, that's for sure. Yeah. But I'm not here to play guessing games. Uh, so every time they emailed in, Tony doesn't know about the emails because I would just delete them. It's like, <laughs> this is not news. This uh, Your game, your pinball game when revealed will be covered and we are about to dive into that. Your little games to try and build up hype for a company when you're not even revealing what the name of the company is going to be is a waste of my time. Yeah, that is... Uh... It reminds me of this thing that has become popular lately of putting out teasers for teaser releases. Mm. It's like, here's the teaser to let you know that tomorrow we're going to release the, the, the trailer. Stern kind of does that. They yeah. always have that teaser where it basically re- reveals nothing about the game other than the name. And then like on a Thursday and then the following Tuesday is when they do the teaser trailer, which doesn't show you any gameplay, but just shows you like close up shots of the stuff on the game. right. Yeah, I I mean, I don't mind that they I don't mind them doing teasers. It's just um it's just, this is a, a lesson to future mystery pinball companies. If you're not ready to reveal anything yet, uh you don't need to put us on the email list. We're not here to play games with you. You can do that on the forums. Like if you want to play games with people, like Turner Pinball did the same thing. They had these like guessing game things. But Turner kept it to the forums. They weren't like emailing eclectic gamers, "Hey, you figure out this anagram." I'm like, uh, "No." Uh <laughs> That's how not, about now? How about now? How about now? That's not. That is not the purpose of a podcast. I am not your PR marketing tool, and I'm definitely not playing a game with you. Not, not the right strategy. I'm not, not your the, buddy guy. I'm not. <laughs> I just. I'm sorry. No. When you're ready to talk, we can have a conversation, and they're ready to talk now. So we're having the conversation. Yeah, so, that works. So now, anyway. what? I, it's too bad that somebody, while they were playing the game didn't register the trademark for mystery pinball company and then start attacking people. Well, that's, that's my registered trademark for my company name. You're you're stolen. Had they named it mystery pinball company, I'd still have ignored all the emails, obviously, but had more respect. See, that would have been a better name than barrels of fun. Barrels of fun. Roll it's out so, the barrel. Barrels of fun. Oh, look, who care? Who really cares about the name of a company? All I'm, all I'm saying is barrels of fun sounds like super like 1930. What's the barrels of fun? I've got the name. I'm like, no. Your logo is too modern and hip and cool for that name. But again, it's a name. Who cares? What now their company being barrels of fun, their company jingle, you know, has to be a polka. It's required. You know what? It might be. They have an email that's like, guess the genre of, of music that Barrels of Fun's theme, music theme is. Let us know. Maybe we can vote on it on Facebook. And the winner will win, win a free Labyrinth coaster. So Labyrinth, hit 80s film. David Bowie starred along with, uh, I don't remember the girl's name. I should because she went on to do a lot of other stuff in it yeah and a bunch of fraggles it also started a bunch of fraggles or okay not technically fraggles but jim henson uh puppets were were a big feature of that game uh this release is a limited run but not particularly small it's 1100 units 
price of the game is $10,600. There's only one tier of game. However, they are selling additional add-ons, like you can buy an alternate translate, you can buy a shooter rod, there's a topper for sale. So they've done the one model with optional kind of upgrades that you can get with the game. Uh, some of the features of the game are one of the things that I think caught most everyone's eye when they've looked at that is there are multiple sculpts that are involved and they really sort of stand out. Like we're not looking at flat plastics. It feels like they're really trying to capture the world of labyrinth. The game does feature four multi-ball modes. It does have a couple of magnets employed. I know it's got some other stuff. There's a link in the show notes to a nap arcade article discussing what is in the game or what was known, at least as of the time of that article. So I encourage you to just go and read that. We're not going to regurgitate it all here because I've not seen gameplay yet. So, the design of the game is by David Van Ez, who uh, is the CEO of Barrels of Fun. And the rules have been done by Phil Grimaldi, who, as I recall, is a is a fairly well-known competitive player. And then software by Eric Pripke, who has done uh, Pinball Code before, I believe. He, some of these names, well, we'll get into this in a little bit, but I think some of these names have been... Uh, are associated with spooky and there are other names that were associated with spooky that are at barrels of fun but aren't in that that quick summary of the labyrinth specs uh companies based out of austin or excuse me out of houston i believe in texas i was thinking austin good but that's multimorphic so tony you mentioned your wife was really excited when she saw the trailer for labyrinth what what are your thoughts it's jennifer conley thank you i had to look her up because I couldn't remember. As soon as you said said that, the name left my head. Um, yeah, no, my wife is a huge Labyrinth fan. I like Labyrinth. Labyrinth is a great movie with fun music and uh, a very interesting storyline uh, that I think is a wonderful idea for a pinball machine. And I do think what they've shown looks amazing. I'd sent her the little teaser trailer that just kind of did the light reveal. Uh, and then we sat down and watched the actual trailer that showed some gameplay. And uh, as a massive Labyrinth fan that she is, she was super excited uh, just by all of the, the, the how, how the play field looked, how all the toys were, and the call-outs and everything that there was just tickled her fans as a, tickled her fancy as a Labyrinth fan. So... She really liked that. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to get one, but uh, it's probably one that if I if I did, could afford and sneak into the house, would not get. I probably would not get the discussion <laughs> that other ones might warrant. So, uh, but overall, I considering the whole first game out the gate from somebody that nobody would ever heard of until they made the announcement. It looks amazing. I mean, it is a swing for the fences, just amazing looking uh, machine. Now, uh, there is a, I don't have the link in the show notes. I just pulled it up though to get some information. So <clears throat> Jennifer Connelly is not in the game. Oh, I'm not surprised by that. Okay. And so you are, you are the play, you are her, you are the one going through the labyrinth is the idea. So that that's how they've approached the game. Uh, th these are, these are remarks in a forum post by Brian Savage, who is the 
chief business officer for Barrel of Fun. Uh, a few other little pieces that he noted. Uh, part of the reason about the naming of the company is they are not positioning themselves as solely a pinball manufacturer, but rather a collectibles manufacturer. So they do plan to do other products, not just pinball machines. Uh, somewhat, I, I think, thus unsurprisingly, they have not developed their own pinball board set. They're using the fast board set. And the limited 1100 is an up to if the plan is if they don't have enough demand to actually make and sell 1100 labyrinths, they'll cut the run short and they'll just do however many. Now, I don't know how how well it's it's gone. I have read some reports because there are several distributors that are, are doing right. these, but I haven't had a conversation with Zach yet. He is one of them, but I don't know. Uh, I haven't. We haven't recorded, so I haven't had a conversation with him about it other than uh, I've seen some people noting online that it seems to be having sold fairly well, as in it sounded like if the numbers are in order. Someone had reported their order number, and it appeared like they were at least at around 600 sold, which is for a new manufacturer, I think, very, very good. Right. Uh, yeah, this really, uh, you know, my judgment about their little uh, mystery stuff coming into us aside. They've done almost everything right for a new company reveal. And you can tell, I feel, that the people involved with this have done this stuff before. Like yes. they've that they've been involved in pinball before. Because they've launched with a licensed theme, smart. They one with deep seated nostalgia. Very, Very smart. smart. Uh they're not trying to reinvent the wheel by creating their own board set. They're using an off-the-shelf board set. Smart. They've decided to do it limited to help build the hype. Smart, but they're actually doing a fairly large build as well. So, or up to. I am so, curious about the manufacturing. I I am too because the the thing that it says is if you're willing to go to 1100. I again, I just have to think back to Spooky and remember they started with 150 America's Most Haunted, mm -hmm. and it took them up until what was it was it rick and morty where they finally crossed a thousand units on a on a single build because alice cooper's nightmare castle was fewer tna was initially 550 and that was their top seller up until right i think rick and morty but i don't know if rick and morty crossed a thousand uh, halloween did but they had been at it for years so to come out here and say we're going to get 1100 built i i'm not and I've not done enough research on this. I've not done any research on this to be able to say whether or not they're like building this in house or if they're doing a strategy like how Pinball Brothers has, where they now own them, but they were using Pedretti manufacturing to do the builds. They've right. since bought Pedretti, is my understanding, but you know, using contract manufacturer. Um, so yeah, uh, the with all the sculpts and stuff, the game just it looks it just is dripping labyrinth. And while this $10,600 is not cheap, they've definitely not overly priced their positioning versus their competition in the market. Yes, the Stern Pro is a $7,000 game and is significantly less, but you know when you say Stern Pro that we're talking flat plastics and limited mechs, and at least looking at this, like with the magnets and all the custom sculpts, well, I'm assuming they're custom, but they're sculpts, they're not flats. Right. So with all the custom sculpts and everything, it just, it looks like it would be a premium, I'm air quoting, premium game. Uh, so when you see the 10,600 and then you think, well, how much is it to buy a CGC remake? How much is it to buy a Stern premium? How much is it to buy a spooky? Not not ridiculous. I mean, they they've clearly made sure they came in well under JJP pricing. Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely, like you said, with everything that 
appears to be there, I think it's a solid price point. It's not one of the ones where I'm looking at it and going, why is this so expensive? And another smart thing of the company, they have these, not all of them, obviously, but some of these are already built. It will be at Expo. It will be played. Very smart. So very good job, Barrels of Fun, on on almost all fronts. Really, I, up I, until I, the other than the the silly build up part, until they were teasing Labyrinth, which I, that's right. that's that's fine. That's understood. Other than the company game guessing stuff, uh, the only real mistake I could point out to them or that I feel exists is they're based in Texas. That is not where you should be basing as a pinball manufacturer. I agree, but but it's not. Again, I believe it's Houston. It's not a. It's not a bad labor. Again, I don't know if they're doing the builds themselves, but if they are, not the worst labor market. To like, they have a kind of like how Multimorphic with Austin is. It's not, it's not Benton, Wisconsin, where no one lives. It's so they have a labor pool. Is my point. To be fair, but, I've been in Houston in August. It, it, it is the worst place on the planet. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I think it makes more sense to be in an area where you can have access to labor that's familiar with the construction. If you're constantly needing to. You know, this is like a long-term play and stuff. But if they're using contract manufacturing, for example, that may be moot. Probably would be. But anyway. Valid. Um, but they at least place themselves in a large labor pool market, which is smart. So that one's sort of an eh. That's an iffy one for me. I'm not sure. Because I don't I just don't excuse me. I just don't know enough. Uh so let's talk a little bit, uh, because we'll we'll have more to say on Labyrinth when we see gameplay and when we get to play it, but the let's talk a little bit more about the company a couple little i wanted to throw just a couple little queries to you tony because you know people it's pinball it's fun but people love their pinball drama so let's ask a couple of the drama questions that i think are probably in the backs of people's mind seeing all the names all the people like Bo and karens and such talking about this company you know being involved in some capacity it seems talking about barrels of fun it sure seems to me like a lot of people who were with spooky are now with barrels. Why do you think that is? I definitely feel like there's a running theme there. And I think it's people who got in to uh, the more, the manufacturing, they got into the design, they got into pinball and they still wanted to be there, but they did not like where they were. And after situations changed, they found someplace else to continue doing what they want to do and what they love. Uh, so yeah, no, it did, but it definitely had a noticeable, huh, moment when you start to realize just how many people had been involved in one group and are now like, hi, we're here now. Right. Now I could just see, you know, people are wanting to go their own creative way could be an argument. But one of the things that sticks with me is a few weeks ago, Bo and Karens had noted online that Spooky Pinball had blocked him on their business page, which I didn't really care about. And I still really don't, but because it doesn't involve me, but it makes it sound like that either here, there, there are two running theories I've heard about this uh, and, you know, and maybe neither of them are true. One is that Charlie doesn't run Spooky anymore. And Bug now being in charge, Bug has brought in his own people that he wants to work with, and it's not these people. And so these people have made another pinball company because they still want to do pinball stuff and spooky. Just it's a different, it's basically different ownership. Right. The other possibility is that 
they were not so much a a change because of the owners in the sense of yeah I you know I want to work with this person this person this person not my dad's people but instead that stuff wasn't going well at Spooky or there was conflict like it was like they tried to make it work and it didn't and these people left and didn't leave happily. Right. Now, I'm not saying they started Barrels of Fun as a revenge company. <laughs> I, I think anyone thinking that is, is reading way too, that's way too much work. Um, but I, uh, regardless, I think the comparisons are going to be drawn because there's so many people that have been associated. Not, And I don't even think it's just with Spooky. I think people are going to ask themselves, given the reaction of Labyrinth, what does this mean for Spooky, which has very good themes and incidentally, I'm not all the way through it yet, so I can't commentate fully, but uh, Dr. John, who we've spoken mm-hmm. with from Australia, he has a podcast, the Aussie Pinball Podcast. He has an interview with David Van Ez, and I'm not all the way through it yet, but according to David in that interview, some of those those licenses, he got them for Spooky. He got Rick and Morty. He got Scooby-Doo. He got them two more that haven't been revealed yet. Wow. So that does help explain how they have Labyrinth. That does. Because he knows how to get licenses is what that. So, but interestingly, how Spooky's license game going to be in the, it sounds like they're okay for the next game or two. And there's already some speculation though, that they're going to pull the Halloween Ultraman on their next game, that it's going to be two with the same layout. That could be these last two licenses. We don't know. We don't know anything. Right. I we have know, no idea. I don't know anything. But I think it's very interesting because one of the things I have praised Spooky on for a very long time is they have been, in my opinion, extremely smart with their licensing because they've gone ever since America's Most Haunted and you know contract manufacturing TNA aside, they've really leaned on licenses. And you might say, well, Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie aren't the strongest licenses, and that's true, but they also weren't very large runs. Right, and they very much fit into the kind of license aesthetic that spooky was about mm-hmm. in all honesty labyrinth could make sense as, as a spooky license oh sure it could have the so i'm curious about the future of spooky in part by having a manufacturer that's coming in around the price point that the spooky games i believe are at at this stage right definitely easier understanding buying experience with barrels of fun not doing like this bloodsucker like spooky's like doing three tiers now just like stern right it's confusing and their licensed person, or a person who at least has claimed at least partial credit on securing some of their licenses in the past, is now not with them. So is Spooky's license game going to be able to hold up? Because, I, th- I mean, I was like, wow, Scooby-Doo, great license thing. But, I mean, you've got the barrels of fun CEO saying, yeah, I got it for him. Yeah. Well, and you also have to wonder how much is it going to hurt Spooky if the new boutique in town that's doing the limited runs of of well-licensed games uh, right out of the bat. The machine already looks amazing, but if we're also looking at solid build quality, I'm not even saying amazing no. build right, quality. Right, right, right. No, that was where I wanted to go next. build quality. Yes. Is, is, I would be, I mean, if Spooky hit solid build quality on some game at some time, it would be great. Uh, I, uh, it'd be game changing for them if their build quality wasn't trash, but 
even to now, even with their newest games, you still hear about build quality issues. Yes. And they've been working on that, on, on trying to Well, they claim that. they've been. I Correct. mean, they did finally move past the hot glue era. It took them, I mean, ever like no one else was doing it that way. Uh, it right. took them years. But and yeah. They're not just, they're not just wood screwing straight yeah. into. It's right. <laughs> I mean, no, that, yeah, that it's, it's an excellent point, Tony, because let's just say that the license game is on par between barrels and spooky. But if barrels has better build quality, mm-hmm. I I really wonder because people have started to lose their cool with the whole oh, we're boutique and we're the little guy, little cutesy blinky blink uh, eyes do the uh, puss in boots look to the, it's not working like it used to for spooky. The run counts are t- spooky to a lot of people, myself included, is probably the number two manufacturer in the game right now because JJP's licenses are total misses at this yeah. point. And CGC can't put a game out to save their lives. And so you've got Stern doing Stern stuff. And then it's like, what else is there? But, you know, I'm doing a lot of these spooky comparisons because some of these names were with spooky. But it's not just spooky. What does this mean for American pinball? American, we don't do licensed themes because our leadership says that the original themes are where it's at. Pinball. Well, we've both been on the same uh, track with American that they are uh, on very thin ice at this point. And I think having another, somebody else come in and I mean, not played it, not seen gameplay, but I can tell you right off the bat, there is no way that Labyrinth has less interest than Galactic Tank Force. And I know that it's been indicated that American Pinball does have licensed titles in the works again because they, you know, they've only ever done one Hot Wheels. Right. But I, I feel bad because we say this, we say this every year and we're not at our year end review yet, even. But I, so I'm not going to say it about American Pinball. Everyone can just read between the lines. There is, with how this market is and how much cooled off it is now that people are not staying at home all the time like they were a couple of years ago, there is not enough room in this hobby for this many manufacturers. Some of these have to go away. I mean, when you think about it, you can tell people are like, wow, pinball's getting really hot in like 2021, 2022, because now all of a sudden there's there's Turner Pinball, there's Barrels of Fun Pinball, there's the the French uh, company that made the weird Pepto-Bismol oh, yeah. game uh, pinball, you know, the... Pinball Brothers got spooled up and started doing their thing. Uh, there's not enough room for this many manufacturers, in my opinion. You could argue there is if they can all live on smaller margins, but like no one, including Barrels of Fun, is coming close to Stern Pro pricing. The closest that there is is Pinball Adventures, and it's still above. It's still above uh, Stern pricing for Americans, at least. Right. So, and there's some talk, of course, about Home Pin and their game that will follow Spinal Tap being beneath the Stern Pro price. But that company also has the worst build reputation. Like, you want to talk about, like, if Spooky wants to point out they're better than anyone at build quality, it's Home Pin. And uh, not to mention that Home Pin has a reputation for games that are not for pinball players by their owners' own statements and by and large aren't seen as very fun games. My point being, there's just too many. There's just too many, and they're not going to be able to seize the share of the market. Like The only way it works mathematically is they take Stern's pie. They have to take it from Stern's slice of the pie, and I don't think they are. Barrels of Fun is not going to cannibalize Stern's sales to a significant degree. It could cannibalize American Pinball 
Chicago gaming, spooky. That's who it could go right. up because that's where they're priced at. Yeah. But anyway, it's very, very interesting. So thank you, Barrels of Fun, for revealing a labyrinth so we had something to talk about. We do have other items, though, Tony, in the pinball space. I've talked a little bit about Stern and their slice of the pie. Well, Stern is continuing to show that they bake more pies than anyone else with a couple of re-releases. So It's so telling when their re-releases are larger than most people's releases. So uh, first one I wanted to go ahead and note is Elvira, House of Horrors. Stern's perhaps main title of they just struggle to build them and yeah i've i've had this theory for a few years now that cern hates building avira house of horrors like dennis nordman's design and i know they changed it quite a bit but uh it's just like too hard for their line crews or something i don't know i don't know it's weird but didn't they just kick out like two years ago another limited edition they did the 40th anniversary of elvira yes those were like kind of a uh, call for rep- call for pricing like the dealers got to set whatever price they wanted it was mm-hmm. kind of to i think a lot of people or at least this was i let me not say a lot to people like me that was stern trying to give dealers uh, a, a cash ca- that was because the that was when a lot of the production was really they were at full throttle supply chain issues were really complicating the amount of games they could put out so dealers didn't have to try to sell stuff it was just sort of like there was only so much product though that they weren't necessarily max like they were maximizing what revenue could be had but it wasn't as much as the demand was for so right. that seemed like a game where they're like here you go dealers set your own price build some padding in and, and make some decent money because we know that like we're not giving you enough pros to make what you should be making on those that's how i kind of read it well this will be a 500 unit red armor version called the blood red kiss edition uh, aside from having red armor on the pinball machine, uh, the thing I'm not seeing images of it, but is um, much like Munster's Premium originally. This is supposed to be black and white art. I'm okay. assuming including the playfield, but I, don't, I would assume. I don't know. Anyway, okay, so there's that. A fun game, but uh, I'm sure it'll be too much. Uh, and then uh, this one, you, you, when I told you, uh, when I, I was talking to Tony or communicating with him, and I said, "Oh yeah, well, you know, Stern's got the got their re-release," and Tony didn't say Elvira, which was the one I was thinking of immediately. He goes, "Oh yeah, no, the Stranger Things rerun, which is also true." Yeah. So Stern is finally. I won't say this is the worst kept secret in pinball, but in conjunction with the final season, they have finally announced that Stranger Things is going to get more units built. Uh, so, who knows when the final season will come out what yeah, with the who, strike? Who knows? But the but the pen will come out before that. So uh, <laughs> I this will please a lot of people. Uh, Stranger Things was one of those games that when it came out, a lot, there was a lot of disappointment, I think, for two reasons. One, people were hoping for not a fan layout from Brian Eddy's, ret- for, for Brian Eddy's return to pinball. And... The Demogorgon had a lot of mechanical issues when it released. Yeah, uh, they had to recode the game basically so that bash turning it into a bash toy because it was just so inconsistent to actually feed the Demogorgon because you're supposed to shoot the ball into its mouth, and it just was really hard to do uh, through no fault of the players. So, but that said, once the UV kit stuff came out and that art and the light show and the all of that stuff happening, people started to get into it. And as the rules developed, people thought, you know, much like his other fan layouts, like Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars, people like, you know what? This is actually a lot of fun. It was. So it ended up being one of those games where they didn't make as many uh, as they should have to satisfy where demand ultimately ended up. 
So this will be the opportunity, unlike some games where there was never a recovery on that. Uh, in this instance, there is. So there will be the opportunity. So if you're interested in the game, just FYI about that. Moving on to another manufacturer, Tony. Pinball Brothers, we touched on them a little bit briefly uh, earlier. Well, uh, talking about re-releases, they're revisiting the well, and that ain't the well of Queen. It's the well <laughs> of the highway pinball hit game that they have been making all their money on. It's a strong For word. Highway, it was their hit, because okay. it sure wasn't full throttle. Do you remember full throttle? I do. I, re- I remember that it had all sorts of problems and eventually was removed from the uh, place, or the, the 403 Club, because mm. it just didn't work half yes, the time. Yes, the ball always just sat in the shooter lane. Uh, anyway, Pinball Brothers has announced the Ellen Ripley version of Alien. Well, I have another link to Nap Arcade. He has an article about this. So you can read up on it. Remember when Highway Pinball revealed Alien, what was the big complaint? Why is there no scenes with Sigourney Weaver? Where's Ellen Ripley? Yep. Well, okay. Now there's going to be with the Ellen Ripley version of Alien, there will be new code, which features new clips. Uh, there's new art. Like uh, there's a new translate. I think it's her in the in the loader that, you know, get away from her. <laughs> And I'm making the sound of the army things rotating. Yep. Uh, some new sculpts on the on the game as well. They indicated this is a limited run, but not a specific limited count. So I guess that's a for a limited time only sort of build thing. If they're doing, we see this in wristwatches sometimes. Uh, pricing at this time is unknown. In the article, it was kind of a I'm going to describe it as a mealy mouth uh, response to the question: How much is it going to be? Because they talked a bit about like, well, there's changes that they've got in the production and stuff. So anyway, I'm sure it'll be more, but they're not saying. Uh, and it does also sound like some of these elements will be purchasable by existing owners. I don't know which. The, the the way the article reads, it sounded more like the physical stuff, like if you maybe if you wanted to buy the translite or maybe buy one of the new sculpts to put in the game. I'd say the smart play, this will annoy some people, but the smart play is to allow the clips to be purchased as a DLC. So a code update. Right. Because a lot of people probably just want it for the clips. So anyway, um, I'm not sure if this is going to be be at like i think alien will be at expo but i don't know if they'll have this version there but anyway fyi so a company revisiting the well because uh we already we talked about earlier this year when they did the price reduction on the queen run uh i don't think queen is doing well for them i don't think so and so i think they're they're while they're getting ready for whatever their next title is i think they're leaning on alien because it's just it's a stronger performer Speaking of uh, companies with uh, strong performance issues, uh, JJP, Jersey Jack. So this would normally be, if this was a normal episode, this would be the part where you would say, of course, the reveal is going to be right after we come out with the episode. Typically. So, And that's true in the case of JJP. They have confirmed they are revealing their game at Expo. And and, and, and we we do, do like barrels of fun for putting the release be- immediately before we record thank you it, it's mm-hmm. never happened before yes <laughs> yes it's very exciting so jersey jack is going to be there they're going to have their new game there this one you can go ahead and throw in worst kept rumors of the world uh that it is elton john steve ritchie is the designer we'll see soon obviously uh what are your thoughts? I mean, I know a lot of people are excited about Steve Ritchie having a game ostensibly with no budget constraint or 
no severe budget constraint like he that he was always getting the short end of the stick and this is a narrative i believe he's kind of presented right at stern like that the bom's were just way too limiting he couldn't do what he wanted to do i didn't listen to the interview that he i think he had on pinball profile with jeff teolis but as i recall a summary of it like he was just like dogging a lot of people that he worked with at stern and i mean like saying how can you have a led zeppelin game without stairway to heaven and stuff and which is fair. I mean, I think it's a fair complaint. It's, but, it is. But this is definitely going to be a money where your mouth is sort of thing. Because here's my problem. As much as and for a long time, Steve Ritchie was my favorite designer in pinball. I still really enjoy. I mentioned Star Trek earlier. Like I, I think Elwin is a better designer. But now that Elwin's designing. But <clears throat> I like Ritchie's games. Yes. Here's the thing. It's Elton John. Yes, he's iconic. Yes, he's got great music. But is it a pinball theme? Is this this I because I'll, I'll get your opinion, Tim, but I'm going to throw mine out real quick because it's really, really easy. I think this theme is a miss. I think this game is not going to do well. And if you want to know what do I mean by not do well? I mean, I think it does better than Godfather did, but not as good as Toy Story 4. And that means all three of these games didn't do as well as JJP thought they would. That's what I think. Close my time to dance. Uh, and there may be a tiny dancer bash toy. I'm going to dog this game. <laughs> You're probably going to be dogging the, the game, but I really like Elton John. I just, I'm not huge on music pens to begin with. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I actually really like Foo Fighters is because it doesn't feel like just a concert pen or just a, a bunch of, references vomited onto the thing it feels like it's got its own kind of little story thing built into it uh unlike say elvis or uh rush or zeppelin or uh guns and roses uh we'll see i just i am having a very hard time bringing myself to care about music pens anymore i you're not alone in that and and who knows? Richie, because it, it's going to come down to gameplay for me. So Richie could end up really putting out something that is a lot of fun. I have liked a lot of his games. And yeah, if it is no, really, he's made some really if good it games. It is really the BOM that's held him back recently because uh, I felt that Richie's last good, really good game was probably Game of Thrones. And I think you maybe could have an argument that Black Knight's sort of rage at least it it had some creativity to it with especially the the night toy and stuff and how that game shot versus his usual stuff while mm-hmm. still being pretty flowy but otherwise it's been like his games haven't done well in quite a while so i'm i'm curious about that however we just got to face a number of things that i think are facts and the fact of the matter is that for a guy who's known for speed and aggression elton john it seems like a weird pick to assign him yeah. granted he did elvis in the past but one looks at that layout and i don't think he is a fan of his layout on elvis and goes it's also pretty weird versus what he normally seems to want to do right and that i cannot fathom jjp dropping the prices so it's still going to be at the minimum twelve thousand slash fifteen thousand dollars and you've got to consider all this other competition all of it being cheaper all of it barrel of fun cheaper spooky cheaper Stern, cheaper. Mm-hmm. Chicago gaming, when Pulp Fiction maybe eventually ever comes out, cheaper. I mean, it's just... Well, it's, yeah, but that'll be three years from now. Sure, but it'll be cheaper. Because they set this pricing like based off of the peak of the pandemic and are either too proud 
or too desperate to change it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that's going to play for them. It's, it's just. It's not going to be well. Anyway, so, uh, but we'll we'll be able to talk more about that one on the next episode. A uh, few other items in Pinball Tony. Uh, we have some other expo stuff I wanted to just touch on really quick since that's the big show coming up. Uh, Dutch Pinball. Apparently, they are planning to be there. They are bringing the Big Lebowski's, but not a new game. They've been starting to talk up that they're going to have a new game, but. Apparently, they're not revealing it there. So, FYI. Turner Pinball. We talked a little bit about them because they played games, guessing games on the forum when they... Turner Pinball is the company that acquired a lot of the Deep Root assets. Right. So, Ninja uh, Eclipse. We saw the white wood of that at Texas. Apparently, Ninja Eclipse is going to be at Expo. I have I've not read up on this. I have no idea if it's any further along or not. I don't know. I'm assuming. I would hope that it you is. You would hope it's been six months. But... But I don't know. And then finally, Pinball Adventures, we touched on them uh, briefly when we were talking pricing earlier. They are the ones with Punny Factory. They have been planning and still are planning to bring and reveal fully uh, elements their next game, their second game. So, again, there are a number of things that are happening at, at Expo. We will not be there. Nope. Uh, last element... Uh, pun somewhat intended of the pinball section is we had a request from Colin. He emailed us a collective gamers podcast at gmail.com. He is the gentleman behind the kineticist who wanted us to cover a, a couple of things. Apparently I think, I think he's planning to put an article together. So they've been contacting people in the pinball media, especially podcasters sort of asking for what do we love most about pinball and what are our current top five pinball machines so that they can do a write up. And some of the other shows have have done this, so I figured we might. I mean, it's a it's an interesting request. We might as well it do is. it. So, <laughs> love. Let's start with love. Love. Barrel. Barrel. That's your next license. Do it. Do I it. would. I, I will say that would be very love. good. I will also counter. Not as good, but could be fun if done right. Is Little Shop of Horrors. I still I don't think there's space in this in this hobby for musicals. I don't. I could see why I could see why, given what happens in it, why you think it would work as a pinball theme. I think it could work as a pinball mm-hmm. theme, but I think in terms of sales, Princess Bride is better than oh, Little no. Shop of Horrors. I, and no, in fact, Princess Bride is much better than Labyrinth. Princess Bride would be huge. Because Princess Bride actually holds up. I think Labyrinth holds up. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I think you haven't seen it in a long time. <clears throat> I, we, it's been less than six months since I last watched it. I think you m- mistakenly watched Princess Bride and thought <laughs> it was Labyrinth because it was in the wrong case. That's no, no. I, that's no, what no, I no. think. That cod piece isn't anywhere that, other than Labyrinth. That's, I'm, I, that's I, I, I'm what I think. I'm deeply waiting for cod piece multiball. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, what do you love most about pinball? We'll, we'll do that one first. I, for me, it's really split into two things, both of which are probably the most common things in the world about it. But uh, just pinball as a hobby. I like the people, and I like the social aspect of going to a pinball bar or or a restaurant or somewhere where there's pinball machines and interacting with other people who enjoy pinball in that way. And that also ties into the thing that I love about it 
is because of its physical nature as opposed to pure digital. Uh, just like the reason that I love motorcycles and the reason that I love watches. And it's because it's an intricate mechanical device. And that really makes me enjoy it more than something that is just a purely digital uh, tossed together type. thing. Those are pretty good answers. Yeah. I, it's, I guess if I, if I were to say one thing, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to generalize it even more and just say, I think what I love most about pinball is there was just was and is just so much that you can learn about it. So like you can learn about how to play it. You can learn about how to compete with it. You can learn about how they work. They have this rich history, which, you know, I mean, a fascinating history because of the whole tie in with the gambling and all and the mafia talk and and, you know, this this thing that was kind of counterculture. And then it evolved into almost like a, a kidified space of, you know, things that just like video games and then evolved again into something like people who want to push back against just digital entertainment. And so there's just been there's just been so many ways you can engage with it, like, you know, being able to using pinball allowed me to to get out and socialize as an introvert. I don't do that a lot. So that, you know branching out and doing something I wouldn't normally be comfortable doing. Pinball gets credit on that. Uh, I didn't know a lot about electronic uh, mechanical repair stuff. I learned a lot working on pinball machines. Uh, you know, I used to write uh, pinball articles going into the history of it because it was just so I like history and learning that this hobby has a history and it's not one that like, you know, you know, you find out the history of Atari everywhere, but you know, going in and, and learning more about Ted Zale or, or learning like about the street level experiment that Gottlieb did. Just, there's just so much stuff about it. So I just, I just think it's multifaceted and being able to take it. Uh, it's small enough uh, and niche enough that you can dive in and it's not as impersonal. Like the if you want to know about the past, you can reach out to the creators and they by and large, they're happy to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. They're happy to provide their insight and their knowledge because people aren't beating down their door for all this stuff. Now, sometimes do I think people go overboard within it? Absolutely. Because like any hobby, some people get kind of obsessive and then we hear the same. I feel like because it's so small now I'm going to whine a little bit. Uh, but I sometimes we we celebrate the same stuff a little too much. And ignore an awful lot about what's actually there. There's a lot more, especially on the history side, there's a lot more richness to pinball than people realize. It doesn't all have to be about the shot that saved pinball and, uh, you know, the, the, the greatness that was Williams in the nineties. There's a lot more to it than that. Right. So, but, um, but Hey, that's, uh, it's, it's fun to do regardless. So top five current top five pinball machines. Okay, real fast. We'll just alternate, and we no okay. particular order. Let's just say it like that. Godzilla. Aww. Yeah, Godzilla's my on mine as well. Aww. Attack from Mars. Attack from Mars is on mine as well. Adam's family. Absolutely not. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> I didn't realize you were such a plebe. Um, Star Trek Stern. I like my oh, Star Trek Stern. I could see that. We're up to what's that four? No, we just did three. So yeah, that's three. So well, if you're doing Star Trek, also. Well, no, so no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to. I lost count, but you did Adams attack I did Adams and attack uh -huh. and and meh, um, medieval. 
Oh, so now you did you did attack twice. That's an interesting yeah. choice. Um, I've never hidden my enjoyment. Walking Dead. Also a good one. Great. Also a good one. Um, even though I just talked about how much I dislike music pens, I'm going to go with ACDC. Hmm. Getaway, high speed too. See, that would have been the next one on my list. Hmm. Okay, there you go. There's five. Have fun with that. Yep. I'm going to play, but I threw Adams in there. It's probably because yeah. I played a bunch of Adams. A Everyone has. I know, but it's still fun. Mm. I still enjoy putting out, quarters games. into Adams. I don't like Adams very much. I like the call outs. I hate having to go in the mansion all the time. It's the same two shots all over the place. Because, I mean, Adams has been at, at Nubs forever, and I still put multiple quarters I in can't it every say time that I go Adams there. is just two shots to get a high score competitively. Adams is two shots to do everything. Right. But Lame. that doesn't stop it from it's being lame. fun. Lame. Write in at gamers at gmail.com and tell us what you think about Please it. Please tell me how wrong I am. Or right. I mean, they might side with you. I mean, it did sell like 20,000 units. <laughs> there are probably a few <laughs> fans out there. It's I, I And I will actually play it. I don't hate it. But it is. It's like, it's like if we were to ask you to pick your favorite EM and you go and say Grand Prix. It's like, Okay, so you don't actually think about pinball. You just like say stuff. Oh, my, 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 Grand Prix. My favorite God. EM. Hmm. I mean, I really want to say Campus Queen. You could. Uh, Why and, not? And I think that I would probably be unusual. would. But at the same time, there's a lot of good ones. See, I like Grand Prix, but I don't think I'd put it at my top. I like it, but. Okay. I wouldn't well, put it at the top of the list. The listeners won't know what you're talking about if you don't say Grand Prix. Oh. Huh. Because they don't know anything about EMs either. <laughs> Sorry, you all, but you don't. I like Sinegrin. No, I, I, no. <laughs> the R is interesting. Uh, EM, uh, I would say Sing Along. Sing Along is a good one. Mm-hmm. That's why I said it. Very enjoyable. It has its moments. Mm-hmm. The moments where they, but it is a music pen, so you probably hate it. I named a music pen. Yes, but you were reluctant to name it. No, I was pointed out the fact that I was being mildly, uh, uh, just a, a little bit a hypocrisy. Mm. Was yeah. that a with the, a hypocrisy? The aroma, the aroma of hypocrisy. Now, can you imagine that? Oh, as a I musical would pinball. Love mach- that as a musical oh. pinball machine. That's my favorite musical. Uh yeah, I don't know how uh, the, sla- the slavery triangle trade song multiball is going to go. Oh, no, it would probably. Oh, I'm not saying it would sell anything. <laughs> Hit the left ramp for the whip crack. <laughs> oh. Oh. <sighs> There's the saltpeter scoop. <laughs> What's in these boxes? Saltpeter. John. Oh, but just think of how fun the Lees of Old Virginia would be. Yeah, that one that one would probably go pretty well. That would have to be a wizard mode. You have to hit all the shots for all the Lees. Yeah, it would have to be a wizard mode. Heerly. <laughs> Shoot another one. There are Lee, too. Verily, everywhere are Lee, are Lee. So video games. Uh we have a number of reviews. We have a number of reviews. Oh, my gosh. We just and want to so alternate some reading of, of the reviews. Probably. 
because how many did I put in? I think you put in three. I hope only three. Yes, there are three. Thank you for getting the reviews in, folks. We do appreciate it. And hope you enjoyed your Steam Codes. Even though most of you didn't enjoy your Steam Codes, I can tell. Well, that was because they're really bad games. Well, I, um, I thank the person, again, who provided us the codes, and, and they apologized for how bad so many of the codes were. And I was like, well, I mean, someone got Doom, so they weren't all that. <laughs> but, so, anyway... Matthew V. has submitted his review of Steam Code, <clears throat> which I will now read. Amerzone. Is that how we say Is that? Amerzone? Amerzone? Amerzone. Amerzone Prime. Oh, sorry. All right. Amerzone, the Explorer's Legacy, is now available on Steam and originally released in 1999 <laughs> on CD-ROM. <laughs> this is going to go great. It harkens back to the days where hearing your CD drive spin up was was a warning shot of things to come, for better or worse. Amazone drops you off on a path with an anchored view of your surroundings, leaving you with just your mouse to pan in all directions, revealing an arrow cursor for movement. Using tile system movement, each click can bring you from scene to scene to explore, point, and click. Within minutes, you find yourself a visiting writer at a creepy lighthouse talking to an old man rambling about the land of Amazon and how the white egg needs to be returned. Then, abruptly, his dialogue tree and and or his life ends. I couldn't tell which, as I was too busy ransacking through his life's work and possessions looking for clues. This reveals his original travel notes and journal, which become a reference point on your quest to complete a final adventure he could not. In the game, you move through several different chapters slash environments on your quest. In its simplest form, the game boils down to searching an area for any clues or objects to interact with and trying them all in combinations for an unknown result. If you're stuck, check the journal for handwritten clues. The journal itself was really well done, but you are literally looking at hand sketches and notes written in cursive. <laughs> at times, some of the handwriting can be hard to read, but it almost adds to the experience. To progress between chapters and locations, you use a craft called the Hydro Float. Think steampunk slash transforming inspector gadget vehicle. This transition mechanism becomes one of the puzzles of the game as you need to find info and configurations to successfully dispatch between locations. When <coughs> the black <coughs> you <coughs> excuse me, that was on me. That was not in the writing. <clears throat> That'd be impressive. If that I, was I could cut that, but I don't think I will because I think it adds to the ambiance. Tony's just like great COVID again. This transition mechanism becomes one of the puzzles of the game as you need to find info and configurations to successfully dispatch between locations, which I think I already read. When I see stuff like this, I'm reminded about the limitations of the day. There are many aspects of this game that brought to its full form where it would remind me of something as elaborate as the Bioshock series. I'm guessing, with my own lack of experience, the puzzles in this game are very simple compared to other games of the genre. You never have more than two to three things in your inventory, and they reset between chapters slash locations. This avoids the mass complications a large inventory could impose. The game at times feels like the root idea is there, but there wasn't time or ability to execute on it. 
In some instances, what looks visually like it could be a complicated mechanical puzzle is just clicking the same input multiple times. Peak difficulty is only encountered when you realize you missed an item, forcing to backtrack of the ground to eventually find an intractable just beyond I think he meant interactable. Oh, no, he wrote that. <laughs> I just misread it. To find an interactable just beyond the viewing angle of your mouse. What it did right? Cool environments, although the graphics now show their extreme age. The art and story concepts are there, and strong, even if unfinished. The handwritten notes and clues are great and feel like a forgotten art. Video animations often rewarding puzzle comp- uh, competition, I bet, were pretty and Poor, I bet. Let me reread all of that. Video animations often rewarding a puzzle completion. I think he means complete. It does say competition. This time I, I'm sure I read it right. I bet were pretty rad back in the day. There, I needed to get the pretty rad delivered properly. What it did wrong. Some areas of the game feel completely unfinished or empty. Grab a small scratch of grid paper for when a random slideshow or beachfront forest has you feeling lost. Interface is clunky. Slit your throat now if you need an inverted viewing angle. On a modern system, you can't leave, tab out, or view any other application while a game is running. Wow, that's bad. All in all, I can't give a straight recommendation to play this game. It is, however, an interesting snapshot of its era for those interested. I'd recommend checking this out as a history piece, as it only takes a sitting or two to complete. I played the entire game on a single day off, and I think I could probably finish it before lunch on a replay. On a final note, while looking to post this on Steam, I noticed the community talked about Siberia. It turns out this game and the world is a precursor of sorts to that series. Amazon has many interesting ideas, but they feel primordial. The Siberia games, I believe, were met with acclaim, so I may check them out next, in some form, to see where the creators went with their conceptions. I have heard good things about the Siberia games. Yes, but have you heard good things about Amazon? Amazon? No. No. They should have re-released and updated this and called it Amazon Prime. Sure. Okay. And now, a review from Michael M. I used the Steam code you gave me, and I ended up getting Monument Builders Alcatraz. I would describe the game as an iPhone app game, Skinner Box Click Fast, Fest, and it, and it is actually also available for the mobile app, so this makes sense. While the mobile app uses in-app purchases, this version offers the normally paid power-ups for each level free. This makes the game a little faster and intense, but doesn't change the experience too much. The game uses a top-down map. The gameplay looks and feels like the map part of Actrizer for SNES. The gameplay consists of clicking on resources and using those resources to build buildings to make more and different types of resources, such as wood, steel, and cement. Each level lasts roughly 5 to 10 minutes. To complete a level, you simply complete a checklist for that level, such as build a certain building, collect certain resources. I didn't finish the game, but I'm guessing there are 40 to 50 levels. The gameplay is simple and basic. Just build buildings and collect resources. No deep menu, settings, or adjustments. Typical mobile apps game style. 
The levels are timed and you can get one to three diamonds per level depending upon your time. There is some strategy involved if you're going for a faster time. You would need to efficiently spend resources on the checklist items without spending resources on things that don't help complete the checklist. You could just click your way through the game and finish it or try and get three diamonds per level for more replay value. I wanted to hate it because it's essentially a mobile app clickathon. But it is polished, well done, and addictive. It would definitely be a guilty pleasure for when I want to turn off the old brain. Oh. That's that's not no, terrible. all right for, yeah, that, for a mobile that, game. Some of those, there are a couple mobile games that I still play for that exact reason because they're just fun enough and interesting enough to be something that will take time and not a lot of brain power. And it's just kind of relaxing. Hmm. No, I, I get that. Well, our last review that I will read is from Brett. And uh, Brett, you're getting the Southern accent because we can't have me confused with the earlier read that I did through, which was the more narrator style voice. I don't remember if it was Brett. Someone emailed us. I've deleted the email because, well, they they had some comments, but it said, you may read this email. uh, You may read this email aloud on air, but only if you do it in a Mickey Mouse voice. So I deleted it. (laughs) <laughs> because I have no Mickey Mouse voice. Oh! Oh, <laughs> children! We do. Yeah, we could do Mr. Oh, I could do this review as Mr. Hanky. Oh. How to have friends. <laughs> I think I will. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, skip ahead approximately 45 seconds. This isn't a very long one. Sorry, Brett. Yeah. Sorry, Brett. <clears throat> review. Anomaly Warzone Earth Mobile Campaign. My Steam key was Anomaly Warzone Earth Mobile Campaign. Developed back in 2011 for the iPhone 4, this mobile game was brought to Steam in 2013 for PC gamers. In addition to releasing its PC game, that ported the mobile version to Steam as well. I got the more stripped-down mobile version. Even with mobile roots, it's not compatible with the Steam Deck. This game is a reverse tower defense game. The main goal of the game is to send units to alien-infested locations to clear them out. It is basically a caravan babysitting game with most of your time spent fixing, upgrading, and changing caravan paths to prevent them from becoming lunch meat for the aliens. The cutscenes are fine. I'm supposed to laugh while I read this review. The graphics are passable and the gameplay leaves more to be desired. The game is fairly short, but it has additional challenge modes if you desire. I misread that line and I gotta do it again, folks. The game is fairly short, but it has additional challenge modes if you are in need of more alien killing. Anomaly was on Earth takes a serious tone that's difficult to take seriously, like me. I personally prefer my tower defense games to be more campy and outrageous. If you are a fan of tower defense games, the non-mobile version might be for you. Overall, I do not recommend this game. It does not smell like flowers. How's your throat feeling after it that? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts bad, Tony. I think I turned into Mr. Sun Hanky. <laughs> I can't go back. It hurts too much. I can't go back. Oh, you'll have fun tomorrow going into your first meeting like that. <laughs> All right, we're done with uh we're done with the reviews for this episode. So there's news. There has been news. There has been news. 
Uh, it's done. It's over. Mm. The Activision Blizzard Microsoft merger is complete. Um, King brought it all together. Yeah, it's all done. It's all brought together. The UK approved the revised deal. Um, like I mentioned last episode, the FTC is looking at following up and doing something else, but not until after the merger's done because they can't get anything to the courts till then. So we're a done deal. Bobby Kotek has confirmed that he's staying through the end of 23. Okay. So that just makes sense as a transition time. Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to leave. I figured he'd be there afterwards. It is also sounding like that uh, Game Pass is going to start, or Activision Blizzard games will start appearing on Game Pass in 24. So Okay, yeah. So that way people can get the games for free and then pay $40 for a skin. Uh, yes. Know, for watch. The, the Morgoth skin. Oh, it's so cool, but it's so expensive. Uh, it is It is a cool-looking skin. It is. I don't know about $40. I don't know pass. about $40. Yeah. Well, I do know because I didn't buy it. <laughs> I do like to play Moira when people are bullying me, though. I mean... I, I get bullied a lot. So I turned to more. It's like, yeah, I like everyone gets one. Like the tank gets one go and the DPS get one go. And if I've died twice as a support, I, I usually go, all right, no one's going to take care of me. It's, it's Moira time. It's Moira time. And if the DPS aren't doing damage, then it's TikTok Moira time. And I just go in. I just, just go do in. It. Whatever. I just go to Moira. I do what I want. I'd probably be able to do it a lot better if I had that forty dollars skin. You would, because people would be in awe. They're like, "Wow, this guy's this guy's a whale." Yes, he bought the forty dollars skin. That or he stole Mama's credit card. One of the two. Poor, Ma- Poor Mama's credit card. Uh, also, uh, when it comes to Blizzard, Diablo Four coming soon to Steam. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see the review bombs on that. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. This, yeah, this of course fine. it will. This it'll will be, be fine. fine. This is fine. Overwatch did so well. This is fine. Uh, Overwatch had issues. Diablo's loved. <laughs> uh, Oops. Good times. Yeah. Um, but they did confirm that it, it will be Steam Deck verified when it launches. Mm. So at least you can play it uh, on, 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 like on, on Steam. Defi- We're not continuing his voice. No way! It was the one you did. Was no. it Steam Deck compatible? What Correct. was up with that? I don't know. We should have we should have explored that. But my Steam voice Steam Deck compatibility. Much. Yes, that's a, that's key. But you don't think that'll be enough to protect it from the bombing? No, it's not. There's just too much rage mm. out there. There is a lot. So it, it'll get review bombed for sure. Uh, Sony got hacked again. Really? I had not heard about this. Yeah, no, they got hacked a few months ago. Yeah, I remember that one. Right, but now they got hacked. But this time, the information they got was basically personal information from like HR for about 7,000 current and and former employees. Ouch. So Sony has come out, and they're offering to pay for credit monitoring and identity restoration services to those affected employees. So that's rough i actually yesterday when i got the mail i had a letter from a drug company like i was trying to think what i what drugs did i do with this company the only thing I think of, well they they make one of the COVID vaccines that's the only thing i could think of is uh, i'll tell you who it is jansen who owns johnson and johnson right but they had a some sort of breach so they had to do like a 
like a HIPAA alert letter or, or actually, I don't think it was HIPAA. I think it was just one of those, we don't think your personal information was compromised, but they got into some system that Johnson & Johnson uses. And I'm like, uh, they got into the butt it, powder system. Yeah. They know who uses butt powder. That's the sound of the butt powder. I, I, that's why it sounded like talc, because it's the only powder I know about. <laughs> don't inhale it. Don't they have like a lawsuit, Johnson & Johnson, the baby powder? Because babies know. inhale the powder and then... I don't, I'm a gold bond, man. Yeah, well, don't let the babies inhale that either. <laughs> the babies are going to have talc lung. <laughs> I got the white lung Look at the white lung. <laughs> that should have had a pinball thing. Barrels do... Zoolander. Not two, though. Not two. Zoolander just one. the first one. The first Zoolander was like... Is it too much of its era, though? Like, Because that it, was before smartphones, so they're doing the whole little tiny phone thing the whole time. You know, it could be, but it, it is humorous, uh, and this is a complete tangent, but so many old TV shows and old movies that could not work nowadays thanks to the power of smartphones mm. and cell phones. You know, it's really funny like when <laughs> I when I remember watching the first season of The Wire and there's all the pagers and the payphones, I'm like, there are no payphones. This isn't going to work. <laughs> well, it's like when I was watching uh uh I rewatched some episodes of The X-Files not that long mm. ago. And it's just it's just like and even there they ended up with cell phones eventually. <laughs> But originally, it was like, no. (laughs) It's amazing. All of the alien encounters are gone. Now everybody carries a video camera with them. I remember. Unless unless you're talking to the Mexican government. I think, I can't, uh, I remember watching War Games when I was a kid. And and there's a part where Matthew Broderick is looking on the ground and finds some sort of metal thing that he uses to do something to the payphone. And payphones were still around, but I was really confused. I think it was my dad who <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And he's like, well, well, son, there used to be these pull-off tabs for cans, and that's why he was looking on the ground, because people would just throw them everywhere. So right. it's like, it's, it's actually realistic. But that, yeah, he needed that little piece of metal, because I was like, why is he looking for, like, why would there be a can tab? And it's like, because they always came off. You pulled them off. Yeah. It's like I had no context to it. It's like the old days that you just dig a hole in the ground to pour out your used motor oil. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I remember the transition of us uh, no longer pouring it on the gravel driveway and then (laughs) and then taking it to recycle as it's done now. It's like, you know, lessons have been learned over time. But by George, I I still shake my finger and wag it really aggressively at those kids that are like shown a rotary phone and can't figure it out. It's like it's not it's got it's got. No buttons. It's got a wheel. What? How hard could it be? We always poured the oil along the fence line so we wouldn't have to weed eat it. <laughs> oh, that's that's smart. I mean, it's oh, it was bad, but that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> CD Project Red. Just released mm. the new uh, uh, Cyberpunk yes. uh, uh, expansion, uh, though they have had three rounds of layoffs this year. Uh, in May, June, and July, each month they had they did layoffs. They weren't huge layoffs. They were like 20, 30, and 90 people, something like that. But apparently it was enough that the CD Projekt Red devs have bounded together with all of the other video game devs in Poland uh, and have now created a developer union. Oh. And they have unionized. 
there has been no response yet from CD Projekt Red uh, about the situation, but I mean, it's a union, so they're going to have to have a response at some point. Um, PlayStation has released Rue. That was a weird vocal fry thing I did right there. PlayStation has released their new PS5 Slims, or they're coming in November, but they released pictures and information. Yeah, I saw the images so, of those. Yeah, they're, the, they're just smaller PS5s. Uh, I find it interesting that while they are releasing the digital-only version, it has a removable panel so you can buy a disk drive and add to it later. Hmm. So you can get digital-only but expand it to become an actual that's disk. N- that's nice one. of them. I, I mean, considering that I use my playstation 4 as a blu-ray player and that's about it anymore right i think it's good to have that yes i i do use my xbox as a as a blu-ray player as well so yeah it's uh i so i i personally do like the i get i get the because i am getting more and more games just digitally like like of these games like on my tv here only starfield actually had a significant portion put on the disc the rest were primarily just download right so that is we see more and more of that i i'm sure in order to control the sizing the pressure will be and pricing for that matter will be to get rid of the optical drives but right but i don't know i still kind of hope they keep an option available for those of us that just want to have one console and let it go ahead and be the I, I remember, I still remember when the whole digital downloading of games first began and you would get a game drive, uh, on PC, you would get the CD box and you'd open the CD box and there'd be a CD in there and you would put the CD in your machine and you'd go in and there was one tiny little file on the CD that just launched steam <laughs> and then automatically input the code. After you were logged into Steam, that was nice of it. And then you downloaded from Steam <laughs> downloaded the game. because there was nothing on the disc. Uh, and then you weren't allowed to take it back to Babbage's. <laughs> Babbage's. <laughs> I remember, like, I remember my first, Babbage's. My first computer game I remember going and getting was at Babbage's, and it was Railroad Tycoon. Sid Meier's Railroad Tycoon. It was a good game. I really liked that. The, game. The, 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 Every other railroad game I've ever got ever since I've not liked. The, the, I keep trying, but they always are just like simulation. It's way too realistic, or I don't. I don't know. I just want to build trains. The closest, and I won't say it's better, but the closest to it that I've had is uh, called transportation. I think basically it is similar to you lay out trains, but you can also lay out roads and buses and boats and planes. You can do every. You can do all of it if you want, or you can just do trains which is what i typically do is i'll like like lay out bus routes in a town and then i lay out trains between the towns so uh, i i've got it it it's fun but nowhere it's not as fun as sid meyer but all the sid meyer's sid meyer's pirates was mm. a classic yes of the kind of silly fun uh pirate game uh always enjoyed it quite a lot uh and then the last thing because i know we did a lot of pinball and a lot of other stuff today the last thing i've got is more just to vent my spleen, to vent my rage. Paradox Interactive purchased Hairbrain Schemes as a fully owned subsidiary. Hairbrain Schemes made the excellent Shadowrun uh, games. And my personal favorite, their Battletech game, which is my favorite Battletech game uh, or Mech Warrior game. 
Of all time. Of all time. Video game wise. I like it even more than the old Mech Warrior games that, that were so huge. Uh, love it. I have 1300 hours in that game. Well, Hairbrain Schemes released their new game, The Lamplighters League. Um, and it did not do well. Uh, it did so badly. Paradox had to write it down. Uh, the development cost is losses, uh, because there's not even going to make back, uh, the cost of development. It's been, it's done so poorly. Uh, so they're talking about seeing a $22.7 million reduction in the fourth quarter profits. And it has come out that two months prior to the launch of Lamplighter League, uh, Paradox released 80% of Hairbrain Scheme staff. Wow. So the, it sounds like the end of Hairbrain. Right. And with that release, other information started coming out. Like the Lamplighters League was forced on Hairbrain Scheme. It wasn't the game they wanted to make. Paradox forced them to. The game they wanted to make was Battletech 2. But Paradox didn't want to do that because it would have required splitting money with Microsoft because of Microsoft's uh, uh, own owning of the mech warrior stuff. So, uh, they, they didn't want to split money. So they did not do that project and instead did this project and killed the company. So I'm disappointed, especially because from what I've seen, the lamplighters league stuff is nothing like anything else. Hairbrain schemes had ever done. Their games were a different style, but it's disappointing. But again, it's just a, it's not a huge major thing. It's just, I'm deeply disappointed by it because of how much I love Battle Tech. The thing that cracked me up is since it's released, the highest concurrent player count on Lamplighters League is less than the concurrent count, play count, player count of Battle Tech in the same time period. Less than half of the concurrent player count of Battle Tech in the same time period. Some of the some some of that concurrent players was me. So yeah, so you did your best to help them. This was the fear when Paradox bought them, because Paradox does stuff like this. So the fears were realized. Yes. So that's where we are. Video games, pinball reviews, personal discussions. Yep. I guess we can stop. We'll finally have a new JJP game to talk about, though, when we, we come will. back in a couple of weeks. So there's that. I hope those of you going to Expo have fun. I, I, I hope it has. I hope it has a really good. How would you pick songs? Elton John has so many songs. How do you make the choice? Why not? St- I mean, with Guns and Roses, they basically seemed like to stick everything in. So maybe they'll that, maybe yeah, they'll do that. Maybe they'll do that. Maybe we'll see the special video about how the designers all like became best friends with Elton John's lead guitarist, and then that's <laughs> what opened the path. And then eventually, we can hear an Elton John version of a little house shop of horrors song <laughs> kind of like we had to have the godfather the slashified was, version of godfather theme i and, totally thought you were gonna say say little house on the prairie and, yeah. and i'm like oh. you know what oh. at the way jjp oh. gets licenses it i i would not surprise me if they got a little house on the prairie license and <laughs> they were just like why didn't this work i actually read a number of those books when i was young yeah hey 
That's all I can say about Little House on the Prairie. I don't remember them well. <laughs> I read them. I read I read a bunch of them, like because there was little like there were other little houses like it was a series or something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to reach out to us about this episode, uh, email eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail dot com. Don't bother emailing about how horrible Southern Mister Hanky was. We know it was it, horrible. We, we, uh, we feel it, but I ain't editing it out because that review they went to the trouble of writing it, so I had to go to the trouble of reading it. Sorry, Brett. <laughs> Uh, you can also uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. And we're also on facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast if you want to reach out there. Though email, honestly, is better than messaging on Face. I don't like the Facebook Messenger when it comes to the yeah, entity it, thing because you have to do this whole swap. It's a big it pain. It is in the, so weird. It's a big Facebook pain. Messenger, like normal for normal, just for like individuals, talking, is, for great. individuals is great. Yeah. Why is the professional vert side it's of it slow. so terrible? It's so slow. It's like Paradox got it. Yeah, it's horrible. It's gross. Anyway, but you can, if you need to, you can message us through it. I do check it. We're also available on Twitch and Instagram, Collectic underscore gamers. I'm and hoping to get... Uh, what are you hoping for? I always say it. I'm you hoping do. to start doing more Instagram You're stuff, not going to. But it's probably going to fail. But you're, I'm going to try. I'm you're gonna not. Try. I did so good there for a while, and then, and then, and then I slacked off. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'm a terrible social media person. Well... They can email us about that if they want to judge, but you they can't won't judge me harsher than I judge myself. Yeah, so maybe don't bother. All right, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until next time, my name is Dennis. I am Tony. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That wasn't me. That was Tony. Howdy ho. That's mine because my voice is higher. You sure do listen like a flower. A southern hanky flower. What are you doing, Howard? The podcast is over. Go home. Go home. Go home. Go home. Why don't you watch South Park or play the hit South Park game? It has toilet on it. I know the game isn't any good, but you could play it anyway. Hold me closer, tiny dancer. I hope I am a bash toy. I'm the tiny dancer. It was me all along, Mr. Tiny Dancinky. Tony Danza. <laughs> Who's the boss now, Tony Danza? <laughs> okay, we're done. Thank you. Bye.